0: You're listening to the Versus Node Podcast, presented by Gamernode.com. Welcome to episode 19 of the Versus Node Podcast. I'm Eddie Enzado, your host and editor in chief of GamerNode.com. I'm here with Mike Murphy, our news director. How you doing, Mike?
1: Doing pretty good. Starting to feel a little overwhelmed, but uh, but the, I got I gotta stay stay strong for the rest
0: of this uh, release schedule. Oh yeah, so a lot coming, and that leads oh, yeah. into what we're talking about today. Um. <laughs> And I'm also here with Dan Crabtree, managing editor at com. How you doing, Dan? So I'm I am
2: doing efficiently. I'm efficient Excellent. currently. I'm at a high efficiency level. Very cool. for production and output of resources.
1: Oh fine, just make me sound bad. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I didn't say anything. I... Nope, I, yeah,
1: nope, I'm too good. late. Can't take it back.
2: I'm good. Are I'm you, fine. Are you
0: part robot now or something? Yeah. Had no, I'm gonna cybernetic need to be. augmentations. Are you two human? Yes. Are you no longer two human? What?
2: Oh man, I thought you were talking about Day sex and then you threw in a two human reference. <laughs> of course I'm gonna go to two human. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Awesome. I'm part robot now. Uh, and the part of me that, that is a robot is currently podcasting, so. Uh oh. <laughs> the human part is doing something else entirely. All you're hearing is
0: some sort of robot man. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so this episode, you may have heard, is episode 19. We're at a numbered episode, which Mike was so happy to proclaim earlier. Yes! <laughs> and
1: love numbered versus nodes.
0: Yes. We've been doing some replays, so we're going to sort of integrate that and talk about games that we've played recently that we perceive to be examples of how industry may be shifting in one way or another. Um, that's part of our discussion. So I guess we'll just jump right into it. Um, Mike, we'll start with you since I think you are eager to give your two bits on the, on, uh, the subject.
1: Yes, I was. Two games that I've played recently, as in this year, like the past, what is it now, four months, that have really shown potential for where this industry is going in a in a good way, is uh, Catherine and L.A. Noir. If you notice, they seem to be continuing a trend that uh, dates all the way back to Bioshock and really seemed to pick up steam last year with Heavy Rain, and that's with the maturation of story and content, and more adult themes um, instead of your typical M rating that's mostly for extreme violence or awkward puppet-like sex scenes. And it really seems to be to show that the industry is starting to shift more in a way towards that of, and I I, I hope Roger Ebert isn't listening to this because he might you know. Go go on a flame fest against us, but I really think it's a move
0: towards.
1: (laughs) 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 Yes, Roger Ebert is just going to open his mouth and flames are going to emit. Oh
2: man, yeah, that was just a good visual. I enjoy Robert Ebert. (laughs) Yes, Roger Ebert with the flamethrower. That's good.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But but more of a more of a movement towards uh, literature, films, and even theater. As more of like an art form instead of just a hobby.
2: Oh well, <laughs> counterpoint, Duke Nukem Forever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, just about hey. uh, it. I mean, I'm, I, I'm not disagreeing with you. I'm just saying that that element still exists. Yeah, it's still right. there, and apparently it, it sells is. pretty well too. It
1: and, is. I mean, we haven't we haven't entirely gone in that direction, but I mean, if you look at the review scores, both L.A. Noir and Catherine. Have scored far better than Duke Nukem. So sure.
0: yeah, well, I'm I'm actually very interested. We've spoken at length, I'd say, about maybe not publicly, but at least about La Noire um, earlier in the year. Sure. Uh, I'm interested to hear more specifically about both of your opinions on Catherine, because while I didn't enjoy Catherine so much as a video game, I was very intrigued by the themes that it attempted to. Tackle, You know, in terms of your everyday average life, like the struggles of man, you know, and relationships, you know, people and their relationships, which is something that I don't think I had seen approached in a video game in such a such an honest way. You know what I mean? Like in the in terms of, you know, men and women, that's not something that is ever approached in video games. That was okay, incredible. well, I mean,
2: I'll, I'll say this, and I did not play the game at all, um, but I, I'll uh-huh. say this. The, there are certain things that people don't make video games about because they're somewhat uninteresting. And that was, you know, again, I didn't play Catherine, so I, I can't really make a, a solid judgment on it. But my take, having not played it and looking at it and looking at the trailers and reviews or whatever, is... I'm just – I'm not intrigued by that storyline. Let's make a game about divorce. Let's make a game about uh, going hungry the 10 minutes before you have lunch. I, I <laughs> uh, well, I mean,
1: to be honest, um, Dan, I, before I picked up the game, I actually had that kind of train of thought, that same train of thought as you did. I wasn't entirely interested in it because I was like, you know, who wants to sit at a bar and, you know, talk to their girlfriends and, you know – then run up and down blocks and all this stuff with this oh and have this overly sexualized female character um, who's constantly you know just just there for sex appeal. but it got so many good reviews that I decided to to give it a shot myself and sure, it turned out yeah. to be like a very far cry from what I actually thought it was. and the way that you interact, the fact that you're 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 in this bar, and you're getting texts from your girlfriend, like talking about, like, you know, how she wants to commit. She's worried about um, how much you drink and how she wants to have a, a family with you. And you don't just like hit a button or watch him him react. You're literally picking the texts, like the lines of text. So it, within itself, it's a little mini game. And you're literally It's literally as if you're in your own mind trying to figure out what you want to say and how. You want this relationship to go based on your own inner philosophies on relationships with the opposite sex. So you're literally going like, she can be like, you know, um, I'm starting to uh, to think about the baby. You know, maybe you shouldn't you shouldn't be drinking every night at night at the bar. Like not really yelling at you, but acting concerned. And you can say stuff like, I know, I'll be more careful. Or you can erase that and say, shut the fuck up, bitch.
2: You know, listening to this just sounds, right? it sounds awful. It sounds like nagging the game. Yeah, I it's not. <laughs> to say, like,
0: it, listening to you describe it, I have the same feeling that I felt prior to playing the game, which is, I don't care to do this. This is not my real wife, girlfriend, whatever. Why would I do yeah. it in the game? But when you're involved in the game, when you're immersed in the fiction, and you start to engage with the characters. There, there's a familiarity there that starts to grow inside of you, and you, at least you start to care about how this relationship turns out. Um,
1: yeah, that's, that's exactly what I was trying to get at. Another thing sure that, is that I found very
0: interesting is the way that they asked questions that – I mean, some of the questions were pointless, honestly. But what was interesting to me is that some of them actually were – morally ambiguous, maybe you could say, but I like the way that it specifically chose to break down the answers by male and female responses and what I found interesting was when the responses were significantly different between sexes based on people who had played the game and I don't know, it just felt like a social experiment at the same time as it was a game.
1: Yeah, it was interesting uh, and I I, I really also like you said. I like how some of the questions it really del- dove into a moral gray area and really kind of almost attack not so much attack but really like prodded your thoughts and your own beliefs and your own philosophies about you know what makes a good good relationship. Is it commitment? Is it sex? Is it being being able to be free and do what you want? Is it about like you know paying attention to your partner and all these various different topics that really get you thinking. In a way, about you know topics that you normally wouldn't really think about on a daily basis, or and certainly wouldn't think about while playing a game,
0: especially while playing a game where the only moral choices that you usually have are like, do I kill this guy or let him live? It's a whole. I guess that's sort of
2: my question: is does this need to be a game, or would a
0: rom com suffice? I do think that the interactivity of it changes the way you engage with the story and the questions. Uh, that the game proposes to you as as opposed to just watching it play out on the screen.
1: Exactly. And I I also like the fact that when you're in the bar, um, you don't like, like, (laughs) well, I'll break down the nightmares eventually, but, but starting off with the bar, like, and like Eddie said, it's up to your interactivity. Um, The story will, can change. And the outcome of certain characters will be different based on how interactive and how talkative you want to be at the bar. Like your conversations literally res- at the bar literally will result in like the outcome and future of all of like bar patrons of, of like whether or not they'll be in the story or in the game in the future. And I found that to be really, really, really interesting. And they, and each one of them has little like – based on listening to their problems, each bring their own little different philosophies on all these varying topics. Um. And you know the nightmare sequences there's such high stress, which pretty much almost parallels like the the drama um at the peak uh like the peak moments of drama in the story
2: i I'm be honest, I'm still not convinced by this you know what, I'll probably play it eventually just totally uninterested though right i'm just i i I don't know what it is. I guess I've heard that the puzzle the puzzles aren't really that all that in a bag of chips and.
0: Well, mm. I I mean I've been pretty positive about it thus far in this conversation, but at this point I will add that I did not finish the game and even though it was interesting, I didn't enjoy it as a game and stopped playing. So, that comes back yep. to your question about whether or should it be a game also. So, I don't know, maybe well, maybe if it if it was more than just the in-between game mechanic <laughs> segments, you know, the part where it was just story progression, if that was interesting and the actual playtime was as interesting to me personally as a gamer and the type of gamer I am, then maybe I would say yes, but at this point, I'm still not sure that it wouldn't work without the puzzle segments, which would still be a game, but it would be less of a gamey game. It would be something sure yeah a, to it'd be much more adventure. of an interactive
1: narrative yeah. kind of like heavy rain yeah um eddie w- did you stop playing the game because the puzzles either didn't interest you or was it because they were hard because of the difficulty because a lot of people have complained about the difficulty
0: uh the, i wouldn't say that they were too difficult I, I got through them i was just like ugh, there are
2: four <laughs> yeah I've... dude no way bro i won't stop because they're too hard that's no that's, no, that's no weird. i'm out, I'm out. <laughs> I don't stopped with games you. because
0: they were too difficult. I, I, just, <laughs> not something I, know, I mean, I admitted admit, it to
2: but, yeah, Demon
0: Souls. Yeah. Can, can go screw itself is what it can do. Is, <laughs> damn hard. <laughs> the thing was, I didn't want to play through four or five of these at a time before getting to what I actually wanted to do, which was see more of the story. I was like, oh, come on. That's I don't, true. There's way yeah. too many of these all in a row.
1: That's true. There were parts where, where that kind of got on my nerves a little bit, but at the same time, the majority of the time, I found it really easy once I figured figured out everything and figured out all the patterns and what the blocks did.
0: I guess it's almost like when you figure out how to do a Rubik's Cube, and then it becomes a matter of completing the moves in sequence, because that, that's kind of what the game was trying to impress upon you, is like there are specific moves that you should do when you see patterns of blocks, and... Yeah. you will get higher up, and that that's kind of the same idea
2: well that's cool how the you know the, i and i i guess I felt like there's probably always some very uh core um inextricable link between that very separate gameplay and the you know this mature content story thing. that uh, you know you have to notice patterns yeah. and and you make decisions based on those patterns whether they're you know, a pattern of behavior from an, another person or, you know, what have you. So I, I think that's kind of cool that they're trying to make a statement in that way and say something about games and and the way that your decisions uh, are almost uh, almost always based on patterns when you're playing a game. And if you, any, if you ever encounter anything that's unexpected, it's always uh, very jarring and, and uh, it, it's a new learning curve.
1: And also like both in the story and in the gameplay, your decisions can come back to haunt you.
0: Mm. And in life I'm haunted by podcasts
2: (laughs) I I just had to explain what a podcast was
0: (laughs) Oh (laughs) wow He's a doctor, he doesn't know any better So, for that transgression against the integrity of our podcast it is time for you to put forth your candidate or candidates for the advancement of the industry in your Oh man, the
2: advancement of the industry. Oh fuck. <laughs> I feel like the I feel like the industry isn't advancing a lot. Maybe that's oh, okay. something worth saying. Yeah.
1: Well I mean, the, it's there not are a lot of advancing. It's, it's shifting. Yeah. So the shift yeah. doesn't have to be positive.
2: Sure. Um there are a lot of sequels this time around and so, you know, those are bound to be similar in some in some respect. Um, a lot of them are very, very similar in a lot of respects. I mean, all the, all the really unique games that I've played have been super shitty. <laughs> Most recently, like Rise of Nightmares. Uh, oh man. And, and like a lot of XBLA titles and, and PSN titles in the summer, the, the downloadable games are always a lot bigger. I mean, I, I really like, you know, I talked to Ad Nauseam about Bastion. I really like that game, but, um, and El Shaddai was something interesting. It was, but again, I didn't think it was that great. It was super artsy. And it was like, if you're not getting into our art style and like totally appreciating our, uh, the, the word was deuterocanonical biblical discussion in sort of like a outside of the box, you know, every, Humans are blobs, but then blobs are balls, and balls are sin. And it's just like if you're not following their ten lines of logic, then forget about it. And I think that's frustrating. I I can appreciate you know trying to insert some complexity and and uh, you know not trying to pander or cater to the lowest common denominator. But come on, like throw me a
0: bone. I would kind of love to play El Shaddai after that description.
2: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you would. I would enjoy it. <laughs> no, I mean... And that's the thing. Is, like, I enjoyed it for that, and I I know you would enjoy it for that, and probably a, a bunch of game reviewers. I know I saw a ton of reviews and looking around, you know, upper nines, oh, wow. 9.5, that sort of thing. Uh, you know, game reviewers probably really like this game. Um, but I, I guess when I'm reviewing a game, I don't think so much as, okay... I mean, yes, it is my experience with it, but I also try to think of how is... Average Joe going to perceive this game, and I have to imagine the average person outside of me and inside of me is is very upset with that game. <laughs> That's fair. I, I mean, and and it's super like Devil May Cry um, in terms of like the fighting mechanics. We, I, me and Andy were having a a small discussion about what to call that kind of game. It's it's not a beat em up.
0: What do we even land on? A melee? So let's see. Here's yours. You said skill based beat em up, and then later you said three d melee action sure a three d melee action skill based beat 'em up yeah I, I actually go. called it three d melee action in my warhammer space marine review, oh yeah as well
2: um the the point is it's a lot like devil may cry where the encounters aren't you know slash and go it's very like okay you have to take your time and concentrate on what the enemy's doing and be able to block and and have uh, efficient timing but then you also have to pay attention to the guy who's coming from behind you and swap weapons with him and then uh you know and then combo this one move to this next move so that you're able to continue to the third move which is the one you need to kill the guy so you know you have to put a lot of thought into the combat and it, it does get really deep and um um and interesting at the harder difficulties but uh, if you're not playing, if you don't play the game twice, you don't get to those harder difficulties, so it's actually pretty uninteresting the first time around. Mm. It's, it's not a lot of things. It is a lot like Devil May Cry, yeah. is, the, is really the best I can do. Or like, maybe Ninja Gaiden, a little bit. But not as hard, not nearly as hard. So, I don't, I don't know. If you are oh. super interested in like, uh, in, um, religious texts that are sort of outside the normal <laughs> the normal canon of what you imagine as being judeo-christian theology um or if you're really interested in modernist art imposing itself on uh level design in such a way that everything is abstract and nothing is concrete then this
0: would be a very good game I'm totally to play. interested in all those things <laughs> and Judeo Christian
2: canon, really? Okay. Yeah,
0: also criticizing their their take on all of it because of the way you described it earlier.
2: Yep. Yeah.
0: Or possibly being the exact audience that they were looking for, which would be better because then I would have a better time with it. Yeah. I always want yeah. to love a game. I mean, why not? But
2: Yeah, absolutely. And and I certainly went into it saying this is going to be. I knew it was going to be weird, and I, generally speaking, I like weird games, and I like to want to, you know, a game to do something completely outside of the realm of what I've seen before, and that absolutely happened. But I, kind of, I, in a way that's similar to Catherine, uh, you know, again not having played it, but f- from what I hear, it just seems like the game aspect of it was somewhat of an afterthought that the ideas and the, the themes and the presentation were all the focal point in the developer's mind, and so they really focused on that and make it, and killing that and getting it exactly right. And then the, the fact that it was a game was sort of like, oh yeah, I guess you ha- also have to be able to play this and
0: that has to be fun, I guess. Well, perhaps that's the shift, is using the medium of the video game to do something that is not necessarily a game It may be a video game, the compound definition, but not a game in the traditional definition. Yeah, no, I understand. And here's what I'll
2: say about this. They're $60 a piece. If I'm (laughs) getting an interactive movie that isn't Heavy Rain, like Heavy Rain is one of the few games where I'll be like, okay, cool. Gameplay is barely anything. I'm totally fine with that. But yeah, for $60, like I want to enjoy the, the ex- the play experience, as you call it, Eddie, the gameplay. I want to know that that is a solid thing. So, I don't know. That's, that's me being annoyed about El Shaddai.
0: <laughs> Wrap it up, Crabtree.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
0: well, like you said, a little bit earlier, you didn't think there was a shift. I think we came to the conclusion that maybe you do think that something's going on. Um, my, my views are not necessarily about what's being done within games because uh, we've had change pretty much continuously throughout the time I've been playing video games. But at this point, I feel like the industry and the consumption of the product is undergoing at least the infancy of of a new era. Um, and what I mean by that is if you read books, okay, um, a lot of people read books, and they read specific genres of books. Like, you might be a Stephen King horror reader, and a lot of people may read romance novels or whatever. At this point... <laughs> Hell yes, with, I do. With as many games that are coming out, because we are seeing... A vastly increased number of releases as time goes on. I'm finding, at least personally, you know, outside of whatever duties as a as a video game critic or whatever I'm called, um, the games that I'm interested in are starting to narrow in their focus, and I think that many people at this point are specializing in the type or in the genre that they consume regularly. I mean, you've always found that there were gamers who would buy every sports game and that's it. And now you have a lot more people who focus specifically on first person shooters. And, and you know, that's, that's all they buy. I mean, I'm starting myself to focus more on things that are specific to the point of being, I want to play horror games all the time. If there's a new horror game, I kind of want to play it. Um, if, if there is a new Western RPG in the fantasy realm, then my hand is raised for, you know, throw one over here. And I think that a lot of players are at least beginning to do that simply because, like Dan said, they're $60 each and we're not, we don't have unlimited resources either monetarily and in, know, terms, in terms of time. I mean, I personally think that. The time resource is more valuable, so I find that that is what limits, at least at least in my world, that's more limiting. But the end result is the same, is that you're going to pick up the games that are absolutely essential to your enjoyment of the hobby as a whole, rather than spreading yourself thin and not being able to at least delve deeply into a part of the industry
2: you're just saying is like the average consumer. That's what yeah, they have to yeah, do. Yeah, I I would say okay.
0: so. Because I mean obviously people in our position have more opportunity to play more games especially if they're making way more money at what they do than we are. Yes. Well, and
2: but I think there's also the what is a fairly small group of hardcore not just core gamers because I know that that's sort of a new buzz buzz category buzz term. I'm um, so not just core but like hardcore like gamers who game like those people hate games like i mean and again this is just a generalized group picking on a stereotype here you know those people hate like el shaddai um and they love like uh gears of war sort of <laughs> sort of, of like war. your your core like well yeah your your shooters you know first and third person your big sports games uh fifa nhl madden um and then maybe some other big name titles from you know more niche uh, uh subgenres that start to pop out like a shooter horror like dead space or something like that and, basically and then,
1: basically your big budget big name triple a titles right
2: but i i feel like that's a really small percentage of the person so i'm just trying to make sure we're talking about average joe gamer who's sort of somewhere between like core and casual
0: core casual aging
2: <laughs>
1: Tight <laughs> on money.
0: Yeah. Out in the real world trying to <clears> survive <throat> and have food on the table while raising a kid. <laughs> yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's, um, yeah, a lot of my friends that I talk to, they don't really have too much money, so they can't really spend it on a lot of games. I mean, there are like 15, 20 games probably from now until the end of December that I want to buy, and I'm probably – because because of my position I'm probably going to buy maybe between like at best ha- like half of them if I if I have the funds but like the like my friends who are just you know core gamers but you know they don't have as much of an obligation to buy and own and play as many games as I do and simply don't have the funds like they they're only picking up like maybe 5 of these games at at most because it it just costs so much
0: I mean, we, right. at GamerNode, we have a uh, spreadsheet of about 50, 60 games <laughs> for just the rest of the year. Uh, it's pretty insane at this time of year, especially uh, going into the holiday season. It's like, how can you possibly be the avid, all-encompassing gamer that you may have been in, pr- in previous years? Somewhat yeah. impossible.
1: Which which raises many questions, you know. With, with the next generation, should they maybe go as far with the technology as they can, or should they maybe try to conserve it so that way they can drop the price down uh, when it comes to manufacturing games, so games can become more affordable overall? Or does it mean a more uh, an even bigger to come rise in the indie or casual scene, since you know casual games are easier to pick up and you can and like more enjoyable for like the less amount of time invested and generally cheaper and the indie games will only cost you about maybe 20 bucks or more and some of them can be just as good as the AAA titles that you play.
0: Absolutely, and that's something that, that we're already seeing. There's been a great push in the indie scene and you know the smaller downloadable games for, say, budget prices and they are producing better quality games now and they're still maintaining that sort of low barrier to entry in terms of uh, finances.
2: No, it's super awesome. I feel like, too, um, one of the things, uh, and I read an article about this recently, is you have these uh, meccas of physical geographic locations where a lot of, uh, I'm you know, we call them indie developers. Some of them are growing now, but indie developers uh, s- sort of congregate. Uh, like, Austin, Texas is one of them. There's a ton. And I guess you spent some time there, didn't you, Eddie? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, but did, did did you hang out with them? Were yeah. you partying it up with the little people? Are they all midgets? Is that why they're indie? <laughs> <'Cause>, uh, <laughs> yes. I
0: saw a few over at um, South by Southwest. Okay, and yeah. They, they are really digging their position in the industry at this point. It's almost like the power position right now. They're yep. able to produce their games quickly and efficiently and make a bunch of sales without a huge risk factor, be successful or not, and then move on. And their environment is a lot less stressful, I would imagine, than the AAA, big budget studios where they're working for years and this is like their life on the line. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah, then some jackass at GamerNode gives it a two out of five. Fuck you, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) And then the entire
1: studio shuts down.
2: Well, and there's also uh, a lot of free development software or free development tools, Um, UDK being a good example, that uh, a ton of people are taking advantage of, uh, so even if the, even if that's not how they're beginning to develop the actual game that they end up selling it's how they learn and how they learn a lot of the processes by which you develop a game and um i have got a friend right now who's who's um doing getting a degree in game design and he's he's told me that almost everyone who's actually at the college and i guess he's behind he's he was just a computer science major but uh, almost everyone who he's in class with has already made a game. Um, and we're talking about you know, 23, 24-year-old kids who obviously don't have their own indie studio but have figured out between themselves and maybe two or three other people, hey, making a game isn't all that hard if you have the right tools, which are free or cheap, and the time. And I guess – inspiration or creativity or some bullshit like that. I don't know. <laughs>
0: you mean we can't just stick the template of all the previous games on top and trace it?
2: <laughs> well, and that's the thing. You could still do that and you'd be fine.
0: Yeah, it works all the time, even for AAAs.
2: Oh. Yeah. Oh
0: what? Ooh, what? So, so about this holiday season, what do we do about it? I mean, we're obviously not made of money. So how does the gamer I, um, prepare or de- prepare for or deal with this flood? You guys have any strategies? You
2: know what I'd say? Is you give the money that you would spend on games this holiday season to charity, and then you just buy Bioshock Infinite whenever it comes, <laughs> sometime 2012. Okay, from someone no, not
1: No, is, is that a- no. <laughs> No. Um,
2: God, I'll never get to review that game. This blows. (laughs) So biased.
1: (laughs) I don't know. You just – if you only got a a certain amount of money, you're just going to have to settle for a couple of games that you're really looking forward to. Or you're going to have to put your faith in critic scores and reviews and to see what games are worth it and what games aren't. Or at the very least, like take the games that you bought and that you haven't gotten to and play those more in your free time. It's,
0: that's the only advice I can really give. Yeah, I, I think that's a good what point your too, trust that, in us. I love that. That's the best <laughs> answer possible. One, one other thing I wanted to say is that gamers are a funny bunch, aren't we? Like, I think people will go out and buy new games right when they're new and then not play them for weeks and months and then start to play them later when there's time because we're not in this silly season of releases and then play them later on. When they could just wait and buy them used or, you know, months later when they drop in price. It's true.
2: Are you you saying gamers are just impatient?
0: Yeah, yeah, a little bit. I want to have... I think it has to be... I want to get it. Go get it. Oh, I'm not going to play it now for two months. Oops.
1: I think Mm -hmm. it has something to do with, at least here in, in the U.S., it has to do with our natural culture of having to be in the know and having to, you know, not have things spoiled, especially in this Internet age, and have, like information and be able to have an opinion immediately when something comes out be a part of the and, discussion. Yeah. Be a part of the discussion, exactly. And, you know, when the game comes out, you'll buy it and then, you know, maybe you don't have time to play the full game, but you'll jump in for like three hours on a Saturday just so you can get a little taste of it. So that way when all your friends or your coworkers are sitting, you know, at the water cooler or on a couch just talking about the game, you can at least contribute a little bit to that instead of sitting there and feeling left out. And it, it's the same way with, with movies and with T V shows and you know and sports and all that kind of stuff. Yeah,
2: so you and you know every... what the most relatable game is of all the games that I've played this year. The most relatable and easiest to talk with any random Keeps person, you. coworkers, what have you yes totally that oh it's easy to explain and they're like yeah sensory deprivation i'm all on board no angry birds oh. <laughs> angry birds is so easy to everyone's played it it's they're like oh it's free fuck it like whatever i'll play this game and and then like an hour later you're like oh my god how'd i play this game for an hour it's incredible talk it, to your friends oh i was just, playing angry
0: birds before and i did this thing and
2: I know, yeah, I and we no all have high-pitched that. voices when we're talking about it, and it's Ah oh, man, I can't believe I Angry Birds. Oh, yep. <laughs> Every, but everyone loves it, and they're and they're always coming out with you know the little updates. And it's sort of it's like this carrot, you know. They're saying, and and the greatest part about it too, if you've ever played Angry Birds Rio is or any of the other ones they'll do an update and then like you slide to the next like uh set of levels and it'll be all these question marks and it'll have a big sign that says coming soon uh-huh. so it's like it's there it's like you should be able to play those levels but you can't yet so you have to wait a- as opposed to just being like the end here's a new game every so often
0: it's like this isn't over yet angry birds <laughs> <laughs> my favorite thing about playing all the games as they come out and, like, being a part of the discussion is so that when people are talking about it, like, across the room and I'm sitting in my chair with, like, my feet crossed I'd be like, yeah, I played that game Sucks, bro Sucks (laughs) Judgment
2: (laughs) (laughs) I I imagine you just are judging them
0: so hard from across the room (laughs) There are so many games at this point that I've missed and I'm sure other people are in the same position that... You could start playing games from the beginning of this generation and just like filling in the gaps for like five, ten bucks a pop and just be totally satisfied for the rest of video game history. Yep. Okay. Guys, I think I think I have nothing more to say. (laughs) Oh, I have so much more to say it blow your mind. You would. No, I'm kidding. I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, that is the industry moving forward, backward, side to side, and up and down as we come into the end of September, beginning of October, and the hell of releases.
2: Can we just – can we resign to calling it the industry Macarena? Yes. Okay. Yeah, good. I Hey, and when that is a household term, guess who coined it?
1: <laughs> My wallet decrees, please for the love of god developers and publishers release games more sporadically throughout the year.
0: Yeah.
1: Not so much in the summer. Yes. But in the first half of that year from from July to for, to May 31st, right before E3, not on E3 sucker punch. <laughs> just release more games.
2: Yeah. Well, I I feel like you're barking up the wrong tree. You really just need to get in contact with uh whoever's in charge of holidays, let's say god. And tell them to create another one.
0: So, Mike's not a fan of the Macarena. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I dare say that I'm not, and a fair few of my contemporaries and peers are also not so happy with all the games coming at the same time. Yep. So, on that note, have fun trying to cope with all of this glory of virtual goodness. And we'll talk to you pretty soon. Thank you, Dan. Thank you, Mike. We're going to head out now. See you guys later. This podcast was
1: dedicated to the memory of several millions of gamers' wallets.
0: There you have it. I love that there are literally crickets at someone's house.